Today I want to preach. Amen. Somebody say amen. He's going to preach. Amen. I want to preach about the greatest promise ever, say ever, ever given. Amen. This greatest promise is not found in marriage. This greatest promise is not found from anything some politician might say. Can I get a testimony? Amen. This greatest promise is not found even in the best of friends or in rights you may have in the law of the land. This greatest promise ever given is not found in some self-help book. In fact, it's not found in any book that you might find in the library of Congress. The greatest promise ever given is found in the Word of God, the Holy Bible. But friend, if all the Bibles in the world were destroyed, just like Hitler tried to do in World War II, if all the Bibles were destroyed and only John 3.16 remained, that would be enough. To save the whole world. That is if. Say if. If people would listen to it. If people would obey it. And I pray that you will today. This verse basically is the good news of heaven in a nutshell. It's both the easiest and perhaps the hardest verse of Scripture to preach. It's easy because anybody can preach from John 3.16. It's hard because nobody could do John 3.16 the justice it deserves. It goes like this. For God, the designer, creator, and owner of it all. For God so loved the world. He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever believes in Him would not perish. But have everlasting life. Today, friends, we're going to ask Four questions that I believe this one verse answers. The first question is this. What is the cause of salvation? Why did God want to save the human race? Some think of God as this mean man in the sky. Some think of God as this God of wrath. Ready to strike down people. And I believe we do need to recognize that if we trample the honor of Jesus, we ought to fear His wrath. But His wrath only exists, friend, because of His incredible love. And God wants you to know the span 
of his love. For God so loved, say loved, loved the world. Now I wondered how long has God loved this world? When did God's love for this world begin? That word love doesn't mean that God loves you only if you believe. But that he loved you even before you believed. That's hard for me to understand. I don't know if I quite get that kind of love. It's hard for me to understand that God loved me before he saved me. You see, I know what Bill Barlow was like. I know what a wretch he was. I know what a sinful man he was. I know how desperately wicked he was, and yet God loved me even before he saved me. But according to Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In 1896, when Captain Nansen was looking for the North Pole, His ship had entered the deep, icy Arctic waters. And so he began to gather up all the rope that was aboard the ship. And he let down, or he tied that rope to an anchor. And he began to let down that anchor in order to measure the depth of the Arctic Ocean. But the anchor never reached the bottom. And so later that evening, when he was in his captain's quarters, he began to to write in his captain's log. And in the area that said depth of the ocean, he wrote, all the rope aboard ship and deeper than that. Many have sunk into the mire of sin. Many have sunk into the depths of depravity. But God wants you to know today that the span of His love goes deeper than that. That's the span of His love. But God also wants you to know the sheer size of His love. For God... So loved the world. The verse doesn't say God loved. It says God so loved the world. When Bubba says to Amanda, I love you so much, that's a lot more than just saying I love you. Someone has said that the biggest word in the Bible is Nebuchadnezzar. But that ain't true. The biggest word in the Bible is so. God loved us so. I love you so much. That's why God's love is so great. But something that you and I will never comprehend on this side of heaven is the incredible degree of God's love for you. Not only its span and not only its size, 
But God also wants you to know the scope of his love. For God so loved the world. The whole stinking thing, amen? God so loved the world. Now, I can understand how God would love the little children of the world, amen? But I got a problem in the way that God loves sinners like me. I got trouble in the way that He loves sinners who have spoken against Him, repeatedly rebelled against Him, continue to defy His laws, and reject Him wholeheartedly. I got trouble with that. Friend, can you imagine what the disciples felt like when after Jesus was crucified and was raised from the grave and Jesus came to the boys, amen, He came to the disciples and He said, I want you to go. I want you to go and I want you to be witnesses to everything that you've seen me do. And by the way, start in Jerusalem. What? Start in Jerusalem? Lord, you just got crucified in Jerusalem. And you want us to start there? Why, we might end up crucified ourselves. But in this command, go and be witnesses. Jesus was saying, go to the ones who jammed that crown of thorns on my brow and tell them I love them. Jesus was saying, Go to that soldier who nailed my wrists and my feet to that cross and tell him I love him. Go to that soldier who whipped the fire out of me and tell him I love him. Go to that crowd. That crowd of people that yelled, crucify him. And tell every one of them, I love them. I love them. See, God's love holds no grudges. God's love simply seeks to save that which was lost. And that's why God wants to save you today. Because if you don't have a relationship with God, there's no hope for your eternity. That's the cause of salvation. That's why He did it. It was for you. But what is the cost of salvation? Our salvation cost God a great sacrifice. How do you know, Bill? Well, God so loved the world, He gave. He gave, and He gave, and He gave, and He gave. That's a sacrifice. When God gave us bodies, you know what it took? It took the dirt of His earth. Amen? But when He purchased our salvation, you know what that took? It took the blood of His Son. That's a sacrifice. You see, salvation is indeed free. But as we learn this Easter, it certainly was not cheap. I read in his book, 
the man in the mirror where Patrick Morley was telling about this group of men who had flown into a secluded bay in Alaska for a weekend of some salmon fishing. Well, they had a great weekend, and uh, when it was time to leave, they uh, took off in their pontoon aircraft, but engine problems caused them to crash into the sea. Three men and one of them's 12-year-old son prayed... And then they jumped into the icy water to try to swim ashore. Two of the men reached the shore and they were absolutely, utterly exhausted. And they looked back and there was the third man still out there, not even trying to swim to shore. He stayed out there with his 12-year-old son who wasn't strong enough to swim. And so they watched that father. Watched that father with his arms wrapped around the boy as they were swept out of the bay and into the ocean. They surmised that that father chose to die with his son rather than to live without him. Friend, that is such a vivid picture of God's love for you. He would rather allow his son to be crucified on a criminal's cross than to live without you for all eternity. Our salvation cost God a great sacrifice. He gave. What did he give? For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. His one and only Son. See, God didn't give His cattle on a thousand hills. God didn't give all the gold made up in heaven's streets. No, God gave His only Son. Many actors and actresses in Hollywood, oh man, they're millionaires. And they give and they give and they give out of their excess. Often we give out of what's been given to us. But God gave that that was dearest to him. God gave that which was dearest to him to those who gave him nothing but rejection, rebellion, and disobedience. I got trouble with that. I don't understand that kind of divine love. God didn't give things. He gave His one and only Son. And the cost of salvation, the cost of your salvation, was that God's one and only Son would be crucified at the hands of the sinful man God were trying to save. But here's the part of the cost you and I could never identify with. Because when Jesus hung on that cross, the Bible teaches us that God placed all the sin of all the people that would believe in Him on His bloody and beaten body. Now, I don't know what your past, present, 
and future sin would feel like. Let alone the past, present, and future sin of all believers. But I do know this. The Bible says that my sin and your sin was so offensive to the Father that He had to turn His back. He had to turn His back on His boy. He had to turn His back on His son. And that the pain and the suffering of that separation was far greater than any suffering Jesus had ever endured. Why would Jesus endure such suffering for people who would treat him like we have? Why did he do it? To show you. Why did he do it? To show you how much God loves you by paying the price for sin. What's the cause of salvation? God so loved the world. What's the cost of salvation? He gave His only begotten Son. But what's the condition? What's the criteria in order to get salvation? I mean, which people are included in this salvation plan? Well, the Bible says, For God so loved the world... He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever, say whosoever, whosoever. Now I want you to imagine a citizen going into court because he's been a shoplifter. He goes into court as a result of being booked for shoplifting and he begins to appeal to the judge by saying things like, now judge, don't forget my good deeds outweighed my bad. That shoplifter says to the judge, Now don't forget, I'm not as bad as other people. That shoplifter says to the judge, Now don't forget, most of the time, I'm a law-abiding citizen. No. The offender must be judged according to his offense, not according to what he has or has not done in the past. If justice is going to be done, then somebody's got to pay. Somebody's got to pay. And that someone should be the offender. Unless. Unless. Another one is allowed. Pay the penalty. My friend, that is exactly what Christ did for sinners. Christ died for whosoever sinned against God. And we know that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So, which people are included? Well, one little girl said, I know the answer to that. You, me, and everybody else. From the mouth of babes, amen. You, me, and everybody else, whosoever. But what's this plan involved? For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever, here it goes, believes in Him. Believe, that's what the plan involves. I love it when God makes it so simple, even a fool like me can understand, Amen. 
When you, me, and everybody else believes in me and him, we are obeying God's plan. And now we are no longer slaves to sin, and we're able to turn away to repent of sin in our life. I like what M.S. Lockridge said. Here's how he put it. He said, you don't have to have certain parents just believe. He said, you don't have to solve a puzzle or a riddle just believe. You don't have to learn a foreign language just believe. You don't have to have someone recommend you just believe. You don't have to have a bag of gold. Just believe. Just believe. Just believe and it will change your life. So many people, friend, miss out on being saved. They miss out on heaven. They miss out on a relationship with God. They miss out on being saved from the penalty of sin because they say, nah. That's too simple. It can't be. They say, surely there's something I've got to do to earn it. They say, surely there's got to be some ritual that i got to participate in in order to be saved. They say, surely i got to get my life right before I get saved. Surely I've got to become part of an organization in order to be saved. But friend, listen, don't miss the plan. Don't miss the plan. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. So that leads us right into the consequences of salvation. The consequences of salvation. First of all, you need to know that there is the promise of missing hell. Because without Jesus, you know where you're headed? I'm sorry. You're headed to hell. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him would not perish. Not perish. You see, none of God's children are going to hell. None. They may misbehave down here. And yeah, there's going to be dire consequences. You ever been spanked by God before? But God will never send His children to hell. Never. But those who reject the Son, they will face the horrors. Friend, I want to share with you a true story. It's funny when a pastor says that because all of stories are supposed to be true, amen? But this is a true, true story. It's a true story about a young lady who had been brought up in the church, but she would never believe. She would never believe that Jesus Christ died for her on the cross. And so while she was on her own, she began hanging out with the wild crowd. Y'all ever hung out with them? Y'all say, "Uh uh-huh. Thank you. That's not me. She began hanging out with the wild crowd, those people who live for self, 
Those people who lived for sin, those people who never gave any thought to how they might spend eternity. And over and over again, her parents pleaded with her, prayed for her that she would turn to Christ. But friends, she just plain refused to believe. And as time would have it, finally, she came down with a very serious disease. And the doctors worked and worked until they had done all they could to save her life. And as she laid in her deathbed, still refusing to accept God's gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus. She was awakened suddenly with this look of dread on her face. And she began to shout out to her mama, What is Ezekiel 7, 8, 9? What is Ezekiel 7, 8, 9? Well, mama didn't know Ezekiel 7, 8, 9 by heart. And so she reached for her Bible and she turned to the scriptures in her Bible. And she read this to her daughter. Thus says the Lord God, now upon you I will soon pour out my fury and spend my anger upon you. I will judge you according to your ways. I will repay you for all your abominations. My eye will not spare, nor will I have pity. I will repay you according to your ways. And your abominations will be in your midst. Then you'll know that I am the Lord. The Lord who strikes. That poor suffering girl. With a look of horror on her face. Sank back into her pillow. Closed her eyes utterly exhausted. And in less than one minute, she was in eternity without God. Friends, if you reject the grace of God made available to you through faith in Christ Jesus, you will face the judgment of God. I do not say that on my own authority but only on the authority of God's Word. But the promise of missing hell is made to those who believe in God's Son. Now I close with some good news. Hallelujah for good news. Amen. Because there's also the promise of making heaven. For God so loved the world He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. You know, Jesus was lifted up on that rugged cross. And after He died, He was lifted up out of that tomb. 
40 days after that, he was lifted up again to heaven where he's now seated at the right hand of the Father. And I can testify to you today that one day Jesus lifted me up out of the mire of my sin. And now he wants me to live a life that lifts him up to a lost and dying world. And one day, he promises me that he's going to lift me up to heaven. Well, where I will spend life everlasting with him. That same promise, friend. Is made available to every human being on this planet, including you, including you. I read about Billy Graham being interviewed on French television. And the French reporter asked Billy, Dr. Graham, I'm giving you two minutes to prove that God exists. Billy Graham said, I can't do that, but I'll tell you what I do know. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. My friend, the cause of salvation is God, the designer creator and owner of it all not wanting you to die in your sin the cost of salvation is God's love that paid the price for your sin the condition of this salvation is believing in him who died for your sin and the consequence of salvation is eternal life with God free from your sin. And so today you got a choice to make. Today this decision is all yours. Today you can choose eternal life. If you will only choose Jesus. Father in heaven, thank you for making the truth of salvation in Christ so simple that even a foolish Florida boy can understand.